right, what is up, guys? We are back at it with another episode of the podcast of the weekly spin cycle. We're officially on episode three. I'm Kosh Sarver, your co-host, and joining me as always is the other co-host, Prem Thurnuggery. Right on, buddy. So how was your week, man? Oh, it was pretty good, dude. I can't complain. I mean, obviously, regular school stuff, but it was Halloween. Uh, it was how fun. Was it, how was your Halloween? Oh, it was, it was great. Um, I dressed up as Neo from The Matrix, so I tried to pull my best Keanu Reeves impression. I mean, it, it's really di- it's really difficult, but uh, I don't know. We'll have to see how, how well it went. Right on. How, what were you, dude? I lived out my childhood dream. I was the one and only Indiana Jones. Okay. I really went all out with this costume, I'd have to say. So I mean, as much as a college student could. So you had, like, what, the satchel and... See, actually... I'm a hipster. I actually have a satchel, like, regardless of the costume. <laughs> so you already, you didn't have yeah, to I'm buy, kinda, didn't have kinda to buy extra that. like that. Yeah. Um, but no, I got a fedora. I had a leather jacket. And I actually, I was looking for that, that Indiana Jones whip. And it was really awkward going up to store clerks and being like, hey, do you guys sell whips? Yeah. For obvious reasons. <laughs> but um, so instead, <laughs> I decided I would just go into, like, a hardware store and I bought, like, four feet of rope rope, and twirled it around, turned it into like a makeshift rope. So okay. it, was, it was fun. It was fun. It was a good Halloween all in all. That's awesome. That's awesome. But um, yeah, other than that, do you have anything else that happened this week or anything? No, I promise I'll, I'll add more next time. I'm more exciting. <laughs> yeah. When, I have, when I'm a celebrity and I have things actually that I do, right? Yeah, of course. But as usual, we have a lot to do on this podcast. Favorite sentence, man. We have a lot to, we have to, we have a lot to get into. <laughs> yeah. But as as people in Arizona, born and brought up in the Phoenix area, there is one headline that, that just puts a candle to my heart. The sun's emergence. Phoenix this? rising. <laughs> like the soccer team? <laughs> Not like the soccer team. We're talking about the Phoenix Suns. For once, we're actually good. So this has been how many years in the making now? I mean, the last time we went to the conference finals was 2010, right? Yeah. After that, we're struggling. We're, like, fighting with the Utah Jazz to make the eight seed with, like, a hobbled Steve Nash and Marcin Gortat. You know, I can't complain with the team we have right now, but it's been <sighs> so long since we're Man, good. We, we've been through we've been through coaches. You know, we had that Alvin Gentry. We, we, got, we unfortunately left. I don't remember the context of that. And then, you know, from we, we've just never had stability since then. Yeah, we've been Earl, going through coaches. Earl, Earl Watson. Watson. I'm forgetting the coach between uh, Earl Watson and Igor. Uh, no, um, we had Igor after Earl Watson, but before uh, he's a former Suns player, Jeff Hornacek. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we we've Jeff been through Horn- almost four coaches in this last uh, this rebuild. We've had the uh, infamous three point guard lineup with Eric Bledsoe, Goran Dragic, and Isaiah Thomas. And we were supposed we were surprisingly good there, right? Forty six game uh, win, know, win almost, season and yeah, stuff like that. We almost made the playoffs, but even still, like you you knew this was it wasn't gonna work. But right now, man, like the way we're playing and like the type of basketball we're playing, I think this is all has to be attributed to Monty Williams. Oh man, he actually has finally given this team a culture, and we have needed that <laughs> desperately for the last few years. Yeah, I mean like he kind of shifted our whole culture from just being like Devin Booker centered <laughs> to like actually involving other players on our team, taking pressure off of them and really expanding everyone else's games as well. And maybe to the rest of the league, this isn't a shock, but the Suns as Suns, we've never used all five players at the same time. We choose to use one and then four are decoys and our one player is <laughs> Devin Booker. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like 
it, it's I can't I don't even have words to describe the emotions that I feel right now for for this team. Like, like I don't even know. Take you have to describe this. You know, you know what it is. It's just it's just a sense of pride. You know. Yeah. Like like when when you've watched something like really build over so many years, you literally cannot just help but like you can't contain that. Especially like think about this. When we won our first game this season, I remember both of us just just going insane. Like we we were having a party at that yeah, point. Yeah, and th- and this keep in mind this is the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> hey hey hey! <laughs> I did I did say there would be the eight seed, but we'll get into that one. Um, but no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Like, you know, they 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 won one game, and all of a sudden we were like, oh my god, we have a chance. And, and the thing about like our fans, it's like. I feel like Phoenix fans are really passionate in that, like, even last year, we had, like, a four- or five-game win streak, which is, like, essentially nothing, keep in mind. Right. But we got really excited. We started tuning into all those games, like, even more and, like, we're trying to watch every quarter just to get a glimpse of the potential that we could have had. And I think, like, that passion, I mean, like, I- I'm really glad I'm, I'm really glad at how this team is shaping out to be. It's been such a nice surprise, too, because um, as a Suns fan, I had no expectations for this team going into the season. Yeah, like I wanted to have expectations. Keep in mind, I wanted to be like, and I did. I was like, I was like, this, this, this makes so much sense from a spacing perspective. This makes so much sense from an offensive shooting perspective, from a three point perspective, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, at the heart of it, I really never expected us to actually do any of that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I agree. Like you can you can talk about technique and all that, but like, first of all, our defensive ability now, like the culture we have defensively is incredible with guys like Javon Carter, Kelly Oubre Jr., even Devin Booker's defense has improved, and I think Monty Williams has really gotten all these guys on the same page and locked in and ready to actually do great things. And Monty Williams has really come from a pretty good line of coaches too, right? I mean, I think he has some Spurs affiliations. I know he did some coaching with Alvin Gentry, um, with the Pelicans, yeah, or he, whatever they were called back then. Yeah, and he was a good coach back then too. And when he got fired, I remember I felt really sad about that. Yeah, and, and then... then I think he coached with Brett Brown as an assistant in Philadelphia. He coached in OKC. And, yeah, exactly. And I guess Billy Donovan isn't like considered like a great head coach, but he still coached a good great, head coach. A good head coach, great players. So overall, I mean, I just think this really shows that like everyone, you know, like when we're growing up and we're like, oh, we're we're Phoenix Suns fans, right? People people have laughed at us. <laughs> they've they've said mean things. Some Raptors fans have really especially decided to to think they could assert their dominance because of one championship. Yeah, you know, you know who you are, but like, but it, it's amazing to like to feel like we have at least a semblance of a chance. Not necessarily we're going to win a championship anytime soon, but at least like we're winning games and we're playing good basketball, enjoyable basketball to watch. Yeah, and uh, I mean, going specifically into some players, I mean, well, let me, let me say one thing real fast. When we won that first game, and after the. 25 game suspension by DeAndre Ayton. I was so freaking disheartened. I was like, oh my God, this better not be like, this better not be like the trajectory for this team. Like we go downhill from here because of like an injury to a pretty pivotal position. Yeah. And we kind of made it up, right? Guys like, guys (laughs) like Frank Kaminsky, Frank the Tank. Like I, I didn't have expectations for him, but like, dude, you called this. I have to give all the credit to you. You, you called this even way before uh, any like any performance actually happened so I got to give you props for that but like even guys Kudos. like thank you man yeah even guys like Aaron Baines I oh mean, baby dude this guy dude his shoulders okay that that is something that I don't think anyone but us will talk about on a podcast but yes dude they're they're cut man like I, I don't know what, how else to describe he's got those it. he's got those Dwight Howard shoulders he really does so like 
when he's injuring Steph Curry. Like <laughs> No, honestly, I was I was honestly shocked that like after Aaron Baines had some of his good games, the NBA didn't try to drug test him too. It just seems like a motif with our big men, I don't know. Yeah. Especially the ones that are cut and jacked like DeAndre Ayton and Aaron Baines. I maybe, mean they tested they'll... one. I know, right? I was just waiting for the second one to get get the mm-hmm. hammer at this point. Yeah. Um and then on top of that, we have a man with some luscious hair running our point our point guard. The ma- the last person with that kind of hair was Steve Nash. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't compare Ricky Rubio to Steve Nash, okay? Don't disrespect. I, I, it's son sacrilege, but at the same time, I feel so secure when he has the ball. Yeah. I think I was telling you this a few days ago, but we, when we were just talking about the game a little bit, you know, that, that when Steve Nash played and when we were kids watching him, there was a sense of, like, warmth and, like, security when he had the ball. Yeah. And I'm not going to say it's to the same level. But when Rubio brings the ball up, I'm like, the only thing I scream at my TV is, you can't guard him, he's too savvy. Yeah, he he really is just a clever guy who knows how to get around. (laughs) Would you call him a clever little fucker? (laughs) Apparently Doc Rivers would, but... This guy, this guy really has basketball savvy in terms of finding a way to get to the rim. Also making late game plays. I mean, you saw in, in, in a bunch of games where he can just shift the defense and you think Devin Booker's getting the ball and he'll just split the double and go to the rim for an easy layup. My favorite thing that Ricky Rubio does is that scoop layup. I don't know if you've seen in these games, yeah. but he, you don't, like, he, he goes off of his dribble, right? Takes those two steps. And then he just goes into it. Like yeah. there's there's no like build up into it. Like it's it's no like bring the ball close to you, moving it out and like altering the position of it relative to your body. It just goes straight into the scoop and then it goes into the hole. Like that that's that's Ricky Rubio. That's and what honestly, I love about him. that actually reminds me of Steve Nash more than anything. Yeah. That's yeah, actually exactly. a very Steve Nash type of thing to do. But look who's um, comparing him now. Yeah, huh? I, no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ever say they're on the same level. <laughs> He's gotta do a lot more stuff and Ricky Rubio is obviously still growing, but um I'm just excited with what we have right now. But, um, yeah, it was Devin Booker's birthday. We beat the Warriors. Um, we beat the Warriors? Yeah, we beat the Warriors. Oh, just kidding. That's not, that's not something to brag about anymore. Not anymore. But I guess they can say they lost the Suns and being okay with it because we're just that good, I guess, now. <laughs> <laughs> but it was weird. Like, after the end of the game, did you see that jersey swap between Booker oh, and yeah, D'Angelo? Oh, yeah, Book and Russell, yeah. Yeah, what do you think about that? I thought it was kind of funny. I mean, um, first off uh, – I know that they're really good friends, so I don't think it was unexpected. But um, I think you were telling me about it, the uh, the happy birthday thing that yeah, Booker was doing. So, so essentially, after they did the jersey swap, like they got a clip of it, like an audio clip of him just being like, happy birthday to me, and like walking away. And I thought it was really funny because after like obliterating the Warriors, Devin Booker's just like singing to himself. I thought it was pretty maniacal, but I, no, I, I dude, love that's it. beautiful, isn't I love it? it. I love Is it. That some, it's got some mamba to it. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of D-Book, though, dude seems like a real leader now, don't you think? Yeah, I really think so. I think one thing that I really noticed about him this season is that he's improving just not from, like, a scoring perspective, but also from a playmaking. Like, it just being an overall great playmaker and putting his teammates in the right position. Like, for instance, that game against the Utah Jazz, we ended up losing, right? But he put Kelly Oubre in the best position possible to hit that three at the end of the that game. Was, yeah, no, to try and, to, to try to win it. Oubre had a good look, and that ball was, you know, half the time that's going in. But yeah. that's just the sake of the three. You know, that's just how that is. Yeah, but he, the 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 end of the day, he's putting his teammates in the best positions to win. Obviously, Monty Williams, like we kept raving about, but it's also Devin Booker. Like you got to give props to him making these strides. You know, uh, gaining more experience, watching more film, and just becoming a better player. So I'm excited to see his development 
as an overall player. And, and speaking on that, I mean, we were both talking about how it looks like he's really like allowing the offense to slow down and allowing himself to defer to players in the first half because I think Booker has that sense of confidence right now where he's like, in the <laughs> second half, I can just turn it on. And, yeah. no, and like, I feel like he has that, that sentiment where he, where he knows no one can guard him, right? Yeah. So so in the first half, he's just trying to get everyone else involved. And then in the second half, he starts lighting it up. And then pretty soon, I mean, the, the beautiful part about the Suns that I really have loved, most of the guys on this team can all shoot the three. They're all, you can space them all out and they can all shoot the three, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about everyone from, actually, Rubio might be one of our worst three-point shooters, which is, which is kind of ironic because at the point guard position, that's not traditional for the Suns at this point. Yeah, but just just to say, like he's probably been one of the, the he's probably one of the worst three point shooters on the team, and that's actually a, a compliment to the Suns because he's not that horrible either. But you're talking about all of our bigs at the moment, like Aaron Baines, Frank Kaminsky can both shoot the three, Dario Saric can shoot the three, Cam Johnson's a huge guy. He can. I mean, obviously the latter two are not the latter two are not bigs, but the guys that we've really put around this team can really shoot the three. So um, letting Booker just have those lanes and passing out and getting those other guys involved has been really good, I think, for his confidence. It's been good for the team's confidence and to allow for the flow of this offense. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, when I'm watching Booker, just from, like, the eye test, right, he's only averaging 24 points um, and six assists, I believe. But just the way he's, like, moving on the court, he knows he can do whatever he wants whenever he wants to do it. So what he what he does is he sets everyone up in the first three quarters and just absolutely takes over in the fourth because you honestly can't guard him with an open pull-up shot. And what I also found beautiful about his game is that he can be really fancy with everything. Like he has the mm-hmm. ca- he has the capacity to do that. But if you really watch him, he's super fundamental in the way he operates. Yeah. He can operate in the post as well as just basic pull-up jump shots from spots that he's practiced over and over again. And I feel like like what we were talking about that Mamba in him. I feel like that is gonna that's gonna erupt soon. And I yeah, and, and this season especially like some of the offense that he's been working on. Like there's a lot of back cuts and stuff where he's like going like underneath the hoop. He's catching it a lot from our bigs, and then they're coming off of screens a lot more. But then at the same time, Booker's Booker, right? Like that that shot against Patrick Beverly. Yeah. Where it looked like we our team was like all united. Yeah, and I don't think people really understand how difficult that shot is. He's he's spinning back, right? And it's a fadeaway to the right side, and he's a he's a right-handed shooter. And for context, this is a shot that he took in the fourth quarter of the Los Angeles the Clippers game where the Suns actually ended up winning that game. Exactly. And that play is when Patrick Beverly fouled out. So that wasn't actually that was actually an and one right. on top of that. So um Incredible wins so far. I'm super excited about this team. But, you know, they, they've been bad for a long time. But wh- what about another team that's been bad for And for surprisingly good all of a sudden, And surprisingly too. good all of a sudden. Yeah, what's with the Hornets, man? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if you guys have been have been watching this. We, we barely got on board, honestly, too, just because of how low-key this team's been. But the, sh- the Charlotte Hornets, the bunch of guards, and then you have a Cody Zeller. Yeah, and then Cody Zeller is, is basically in his <laughs> own right. What I mean, you don't think he can do some of the things he can do, but then he ends up doing it. Yeah, it's weird. This guy's averaging 15 points, 13 point, 13.5 rebounds and two assists in 31 minutes. It's not it's not like fantastic, but 13 rebounds is no joke. It's no re- joke. Regardless of who you are, regardless of how many minutes you're playing. But um, they have a really balanced team. What do you think? I think they're interesting, right? Because you're talking about, you know, point guard sets with, I mean, let's let's talk about the like one of the biggest revelations to me personally was Devonte Graham. I mean, I, I was really excited about this kid coming out of Kansas uh, a few years ago in the draft. I believe it was either th- two years ago or last year. I think it was two years ago. 
but I was really excited about him um, in Kansas specifically. But, you know, last season I don't think he had a particularly great season. And then all of a sudden now the dude's averaging 16 points a game, seven or basically eight assists and three rebounds in 29 minutes. Yeah. I mean, take what you will, but that is some serious production from a rookie. And I, I understand that these are like, oh, it's only four or five games into the season and these are first impressions. But, you know, this is sort of like when you watch him play the ball skills and the instincts that he's that he's playing with and the passing – Everything just looks really fluid there. Yeah, and it's crazy because almost like every Hornets player is being well-balanced throughout in terms of how they're playing, right? They're all approximately playing 30 minutes, and they're all approximately averaging 15 points. You yeah, have I guys... Mean, you're talking about guys like Terry Rozier, for example, who's averaging 15.2, five assists, or six assists, and 3.8 rebounds in around 30 minutes, like yeah. you were saying. Um, P.J. Washington, for example, 16.7 rebounds, one assist in 33 minutes. And then your favorite, probably on this team, Miles Bridges, right? Yeah, 15 points, 4 rebounds, 2.4 2. assists. But, like, like overall, like, you see what these guys are doing just as a team. And I think, I mean, they're shocking a lot of people, myself included, because mm-hmm. I did not expect this. This is really kind of why I picked Terry Rozier as my most improved, because I didn't really think this team had a lot of talent left in it. Right. And so I thought Rozier, you know, coming off of what he came off of from Boston – and uh, just having the opportunity to ex- expand his game, knowing how good he was in the playoffs against great teams like LeBron's team and, and other great Eastern Conference teams when they played him, I just thought his game would explode. But, I mean, to my, to my shock, right, everyone else is also exploding along with it. Yeah, and it's shocking, too, because we saw this team lose basically two of their bigger stars in Kemba Walker and then Frank Kaminsky. Granted, I love the fact that they lost Frank Kaminsky because he came to my team. Also, dude, you can't put Kemba Walker and Frank Kaminsky in the same sentence. No, 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 I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean to say it like that. I mean to say, like, for that team, relatively speaking. Relatively, because yeah. Two, because Frank Kaminsky and Kemba Walker were two of the biggest stars for that team. Is exactly. Is what I meant to try to say. Um, and to lose them both and then to have to go into the next season trying to – I think between them, that's, like, like a good maybe, like, 30, 35 shots to, that you have to account for in, in the game, right? Probably something like that. So to be able to to split it up against so many different players, and I think they're really lucky how P.J. Washington's developing as a first-round pick. Yeah. I mean, that's not easy. That's not easy because even Miles Bridges last year as a first-round pick probably didn't have this much production in the first game, in his first uh, few games. Yeah, and his first game, right? Crazy, like seven threes. Oh, yeah, he like, had a ton of points in that game. Incredible. So yeah, um, that's that's a team to look out for and um, – and watch, I guess, if you're, if you're kind of more into the underrated, more like league pass type teams. Yeah, I know. And then uh, I, I guess Michael Jordan can finally be happy about something. Honestly, though, like <laughs> they, they lose great players and they're still, I guess they're almost in a way better than they were last year. Shockingly. I mean, in, in, in a different way, like in a very balanced way. Yeah. I also am really surprised that one player who didn't make strides in this offense is Malik Monk. Yeah. I mean, he did. He did. He does have like some good games, you know, 18 points here, 15 yeah. points there. So like he's, I, I think it's the what's the word? Um, he's just not consistent. Exactly, and that consistency. I mean, I honestly thought because Malik Monk came in with Deer and Fox right, right during that same draft class because they both came from Kentucky. I just thought he would be great right off the bat, just based on his size, based on his like game style. Even um, I thought like they he would be very good, but I mean you know he's had some injuries, but on top of that, um, I don't I don't really know why he hasn't been better you know yeah i mean to me personally when i saw him out of college he reminded me of like the intangibles of a cj mccollum type player Mm -hmm. like in in maybe obviously not to compare the two because cj mccollum is a living breathing legend and a uh and an avid podcaster himself (laughs) but um (laughs) but um 
No, I, I mean to say, like, like some of the stuff that I thought he could do reminded me of, like, the way that C.J. McCollum tried to play. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I was kind of shocked to see that Malik Monk has still been a little bit inconsistent. I hope that changes because he is someone that, like, um, in his, like, third season now, like, I really do hope can, um, can, can step it up and bring some more energy and uh, really start to score more. And I think this team could be pretty dynamic then, having three guards of that caliber. Yeah, I definitely think so. I, you know what, you know what, like coming out, like Cam Reddish really reminds me of Malik Monk. Hopefully, like he doesn't, you know, go like become like what Malik Monk is right now because they're they're very similar in terms of the way they play. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really. I'm. I actually didn't watch. Ironically enough, I don't feel like I've seen enough of Cam Reddish in college because of the whole Zion R J Barrett thing. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, he's kind of like obviously not part of that duo that Malik right. Monk was with De'Aaron Fox, but. At the same time, this guy is just a knockdown shooter as well. Right. So right. it's so it's really uh, it's really interesting to see how he's going to develop as well. So that's uh, the Hornets, right? Team to look out for now. Man, I'm shocked. I mean, if you would have told me this season that the Hornets and the Suns would have come out of the gate like that, oh my God, I would not have believed you. Agreed. Would I have been happy about half of that half about half of that statement? I've been happy about, but obviously, truly shocking. And I guess another shocking thing is. Oh, <laughs> Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns. You mean the, t- the 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 two felines fighting? The two felines fa- fighting, aka Snuggle Party, this is co- <laughs> coined by Mr. Charles Barkley. If you, if you want more context to that, essentially on Inside the NBA, Ernie asked Charles Barkley, "Hey, Charles, if you don't think that was a fight, what would you ca- characterize that?" And he jokingly said, "It was a snuggle party." So, man, this this dude, I swear <laughs> to God, this is how they get views, man. Maybe we should do some more stuff like that. We gotta have iconic quotes like that. Yeah, no, we'll just take more hot takes, like calling different players bad. <laughs> yeah, I that, that'll be our podcast. And then soon enough, all of the all of the players will get us banned somehow. I don't yeah. know how, but it'll happen. But the thing is, if all the players know about our podcast, no, oh, there you go. Does, you know, I does that mean it's that. good? That's yeah. a great podcast then. Right? Exactly. Um, but yeah, so did what's the context behind this? Like, like because when I was watching this play happen. So I didn't watch this live. Keep in mind, I I watched this. Uh, I, I watched this as a highlight. Yeah. Okay. So when I was watching this, right? Did you watch this live? I, I think so. I believe okay. I watched this live. The camera didn't originally pan that way. Yeah, but that, that's the weird part. The, these two were in the backcourt. Exactly. So I was like a little confused what was going on, and the next thing I know, next thing I know, these two are literally freaking like locked up in each other. Yeah. Now I absolutely love the way that either player has portrayed this on their own. Have you checked out the freaking Instagram battle? Yeah. And the Twitter battle and what have you? Joel Embiid is the absolute king of memes in the NBA. You do not want to mess with this guy. Uh, on the internet, absolutely not. He'll he'll do some he'll do some funny 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 stuff that and like And plus, dude, that one post, I mean, get into it, but that had like layers to it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, that, I love that tweet. <laughs> but um okay, so I I really loved this because you see Carl Anthony Towns posting images of of him locking up Embiid, him like like not giving a fuck basically, him like basically looking at everyone like, or like 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 basically almost like shrugging this off like this was no big deal, and then on the reverse side you see Joel Embiid doing the same thing, so if you looked at these at this so so a, no, no so explain explain to everyone what Joel Joel Embiid said, oh in, man, in his it, Instagram he basically said I was raised around lions. And uh-huh. then this cat pulled up on me, which is really clever because of the way he said cat and then Carl Anthony Towns' cat. Yeah. Um, and then what else did he say? And then he tagged Jimmy Butler. Oh, this is the funniest part probably of the tweet. He's like, I want to be a part of those third stringers again. 
which is incredible because he's taking a double shot at Jimmy Butler last year, beating the starters with the third stringers. And so this is what this this guy's command of memes is at another level. Yeah, honestly, it's it's truly something we should aspire for. <laughs> and I honestly think Carl Anthony Towns responded pretty pretty good as well. Yeah, he, especially that last picture he posts on his Instagram. So he posted a series of pictures. Essentially, Joel Embiid's story told like a story of Carl Anthony Towns like trying to like intimidate him, but him like being like. Oh, it's like, no big deal. It's no big deal. But then Carl Anthony Towns posts a story that essentially uh, reveals that he's destroying Joel Embiid in this fight by putting <laughs> him like it, like in a headlock. And then on top of that, he finishes it out by posting Joel Embiid's crying picture um, after after Joel Embiid got beat by the Raptors in the playoffs in Game Seven, and saying uh, and kind of just memeing the whole situation, which I thought was was a fantastic response. So. Honestly, when they play again, this is gonna be this is gonna it's, be super it's so hyped. nice to have a classic big battle again. Yeah, because I don't remember the last time. Remember when Hassan Whiteside used that MMA move? Oh, on was it Alex Len? I think it was on Alex Len, but that was like the last time. I mean, these those the centers like really going at it. Yeah, those centers like are not nearly the star talent that these guys are. But like that's kind of the last time I remember two bigs going at it like that. No, and really, I think the real winner of this fight was Ben Simmons, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this makes no sense to me, right? Both of these guys, Joel Embiid and Anthony Towns, get suspended two games for this fight. But Ben Simmons, who initially seems to be trying to break up the fight, nope. just essentially <laughs> sits on Carl Anthony Towns. And sits, put, sits is putting it nicely. All right, fine. Lays down flat with his stomach on Carl Anthony Towns' bed. Superman that hoe. Okay. And then, and then um, what is this? Put him in a headlock, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Literally on a headlock to the ground. And then you can just see like Carl Anthony Towns like, what the heck is going on right now? Because he's in the bottom of a scrum, right? On the, In the bottom of a fight. Yeah. And then there's just a giant Ben Simmons laying on top of him. And the refs decide that he wasn't doing anything illicit. He was, or I shouldn't say illicit. That just made that sound weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should say, they don't think he was doing anything illegal, basically. They think what he was doing was, was breaking up the fight. Anytime you put a dude in a headlock, I don't know how much you can call that breaking up a fight. I mean, he's from Australia, so I don't know if they have to break up fights like that there. Dude, yeah, the freaking kangaroos must be <laughs> wild or something. <laughs> but I don't think they have to break up fights like that there. But I've seen he... Kangaroo Jack. That shit gets wild. Dude, I bet. But, like, <laughs> the the fines, I, he definitely should have gotten fined for that. That's all I'm saying. At least a fine. Okay, honest question. Was this a better fight than the Shaq-Charles Barkley fight? Oh, man. Dude, I don't know. That one is a classic fight, right? Because like Barkley gets mad, throws the ball at Charles uh, at, at Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal proceeds to tackle him in yeah. Shaquille O'Neal fashion. But this fight might have low key been better. I think so at least, just because of uh, like just it just looked like more more was going on personally, more of a fight at least. No, I'm picking I'm picking Shaq and Chuck just because it was really funny to like look at the actual clip. So in this fight, right? I don't even know what prompted this. It was essentially them getting tangled up. And then, like, one of, like, Joel Embiid starting to, like, push, and then Carl Anthony Towns not backing down, essentially. That's right. that's how I perceive the fight and interpret right. it to be. But in the Sha- in the Shaq and Charles Barkley one, it's really funny to see Chuck's face when he just throws the ball at, <laughs> at Shaq and then just moves out of the way. Because, <laughs> and also, like, the fact that it's completely referenced almost on every show on Inside the NBA. That's the best part. It's just so funny to see it, how, it, like... It is really set up so nicely for these two for, and, like, the rest of their careers. <laughs> and honestly, like, you can't tell who won the fight because, like, Charles always are no. It feels like they're still fighting the fight to this day. Yeah, that's the best. Yeah, part. they are because like one argues that like the person on top is the winner, and the one argues like the fight's not over. And it's no, like and, it, and then it's like the digs that they take at each other. Like like Shaq just constantly calls Charles fat, 
And then Charles is constantly calling Shaq dumb. Like, it feels like this is, like, never going to end. It's, it, it'll never end, and I don't want it to end. No, I think that's definitely the, not. That's definitely the main not. <laughs> but um, that's, that, that happened as well. So Anytime you get a good fight like this, you really have to take it. Because, I mean, wow, like, that was a big one. The last time I'd seen something this wild was the Marquise Chris Sergi Baca fight last season. That one was actually great. Like that was actually like punches thrown. Sergi yeah. Baca, I don't know what ticked him off, but just pushed him up against the stanchion and was Dude, just going at it. He probably had something bad to eat from his episode that he was filming. <laughs> yeah, he's probably really hungry or something. Yeah, and he was like, "Let me cook this. Let me cook this Marquise Chris and yeah. turn him into a delicacy." Yeah. Well, that's that. Okay. Well, more important stuff, I guess. <laughs> Is so, it important? <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. It, I mean, you can't follow it with the Embiid stuff, like because of or the co- the the cat Embiid stuff, because that is just sheer funny. But this just has more of like a, like an impact, I would say, for the like for a technical, a more technical, technical basketball yeah. impact. Yeah. So what we're specifically talking about, I know we've been vague about that, but what we're talking about is Kawhi has been has begun his load management. Yeah, which is weird because he specifically said, or I mean, reports have been made about him not doing load management this year specifically. Ha. Aha, aha. Okay, okay. That no, that's <laughs> dude, super cringe, bro. No, but like, <laughs> the thing is, like, if he said that he wasn't gonna do it, or reports have been made. Yeah, you know, what, I mean, what what's going on, man? Personally, I just think he was tired from battling the Suns. <laughs> that's what I, that, that's dude, my stop. That's my story. I'm sticking with dude, it. We're good, but come on. Okay, I. Okay, it to me just affirmed that this is the Clippers basically saying, "Yeah, the regular season doesn't really matter for us. We're we're focused. This is a championship or bust season for them." Which I actually kind of like in I a way. I admire it too because you see, guys, we're gonna get into this later. But Anthony Davis's 40 points, 20 rebounds game, right? And everyone's going crazy over it. And um, all these people posting all, all these crazy things about how the Lakers are good after some wins and bad after others. Really, none of this stuff matters until playoff time. Yeah, and, and that's exactly like, The Clippers are literally saying, it, it, we'll, we'll use our bench, and their bench is probably as good as just about any other team in the league at this point with the amount of stars that they have and really good role players. But, no, I mean, I, I think that they've really learned a lesson from Kawhi with the Raptors last year. Mm-hmm. They know how much this man means to a franchise. Yeah. The the dude basically, like, gave them two playoff series wins effectively, if you think about it. And not only that, people forget Kawhi was still injured in the finals and oh, yeah. in the conference finals. Oh, yeah. So this guy's doing this while being hobbled. He can still lead teams to champion. That's how good he is. Yeah, and, and the Clippers want the best version of this, honestly, man. Yeah. So they're, you know, kudos to them. Like, I, I've never really had a problem with teams um, resting their players. Mostly, especially, like, I, I get the argument that you, that you hear from other teams that are like, or from other fans where they're just like, you know, team players, people come out to come see these players and then end of the day they're not playing. It's such a disappointment. But as a franchise, like, you, you really got to look for your own interest here, I think. Yeah, I think as a franchise with championship aspirations and understanding Kawhi Leonard's health, I think making a decision like that is great. But I definitely see the other point in terms of, like, people pay their hard-earned money to come watch superstars play. And when you don't play, because these guys, I mean, fans, we don't have any control over, you know, knowing if this player is going to play or not on any given day, right? So you you buy the ticket expecting, oh, I'm going to see my favorite player, Kawhi Leonard, play. And maybe, like, that's the one game you can go to the whole season and you show up and he doesn't play. I mean, it, it's sad, but at the end of the day, these teams have to do what's best for them, especially uh, when a guy means that much to their team. Absolutely. So I guess now let's kind of look at, it's been about five games for most teams, four for some others. 
let's let's it's a little early to make a lot of predictions so let's just react to this <laughs> a little bit what? oh also, wait just really quick also if you guys hear me coughing throughout the whole thing i have like a really bad cough right now so uh just just bear with me yeah i don't want to catch it so keep that away okay. from me <laughs> <laughs> but um so prem you know like i was saying we've we've gone through about five or four or five games what do you think has been your player of let's say the week so far or of the first like five games yeah, so I'm going to go with Carl Anthony Towns, actually. I know we just mm. talked about him. But, like, on a more serious note, other than the fight, this guy is averaging 27 points a game, 11.5 rebounds, 4 assists, 54% from the field. And this is the shocking stat, 53% from three-point range. Oof. That that's, that's crazy, dude. It's like he should play for the Suns or something in our three-point shooting team. <laughs> hey, no. we can tamper for them. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, honestly, that's true. I mean, I don't know who's better, Aaron Baines or Carl Anthony Towns, dude. Why not both? Why not both? We'll take all of the depth. That's true, and, and we kind of need it. You know what's crazy? I I honestly thought Carl Anthony Towns was going to come here during free agency a couple oh, years that ago. That was a beautiful time to be <laughs> alive. But, <laughs> but it, then, it didn't end up happening. And then Woj dropped the bomb that he got maxed, and I just saw Prem's face upside down. <laughs> dude, truly. But I think, it, I think it's great. I mean, they're moving past, you know, the drama-filled year they had last year mm-hmm. and all the Jimmy Butler situation, like we kind of touched on. And they're trying to move past with a— a superstar in Andrew Wiggins, right? He can lead this team. No, I can't even say that. As a, I can't even say that as a joke. Andrew Wiggins, um, he. I mean, he's had to him. He's he's trying to show up in the fourth quarter now. Yeah, he's trying. I mean, he's inefficient. He's done it once. But the thing is, he's making against sh- my Heat. He's making shots when they when they matter, but like super inefficient. Still only twenty points a game. Um, I mean, I don't know how long it's they just can the empty last. stat lines. You know, it's just empty. Yeah. But, I mean, there will always be a place for scorers in this league just because that is not an easy skill to come by. But at the same time, you know, he's it just sometimes seems like he has no game impact. But, yeah, but as you were saying about Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, and I think really, like, I don't really have much more to say, but I think if he keeps this up and if the Timberwolves keep winning, especially in the Western Conference, because we didn't really put him in the, in our, in the playoffs, right? Right, in, right. In our, in our top eight, the Timberwolves weren't there. So, obviously, they're a really surprising team overall as well. But I think if he can keep doing this, averaging – the, these stats and putting up these great performances not just statistically but also like the impact on the game that he has i think he's a dark horse mvp this year as well let me ask you a question some of his contemporaries basically people who are drafted in the same draft class as him like d'angelo russell and um and devin booker i don't feel like they've been like they have the same um they, i think they both had to carry franchises respectively at some point but i feel like carl anthony towns has had some real playoff pressure on him especially since they added uh, Jimmy Butler. I mean, I remember last season, they were already talking about how short of a window that they had to win. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Carl Towns has just gone into the league. What are you guys talking about? Yeah. But do, do you feel like he's performing now a little bit better because of that pressure's off of him? Like, no one's expecting them to con- contend at this point. I think so. I think that's part of it. And also, like, the dr- the drama and, like, the fact that Jimmy Butler didn't, like, the other teammates and stuff like that definitely played a role into it and so he had a lot more things to consider and think about and when you start thinking too much in the game of basketball it becomes less instinct and then you start you know losing your game you start performing worse you start overthinking everything and when that's not right I mean your 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 game suffers so I think I think it's a combination of everything but also like the reason everyone had those expectations is because the way Carl Anthony Towns came out in his rookie year, even his second year, right, he's putting up great numbers. Like oh, that yeah. rookie class, that 2015 rookie class with him, Devin Booker, That's I mean, a bunch one. of other cl- bunch of other guys who are like really great players now. Um, 
he was leading that pack, right? Definitely. So definitely. He, he's a fantastic player. So I don't think it was unfair for the expectations to be put on him. But like like what you said, you know, now that there's less expectations from from you know on them as well as other teams in the Western Conference like the Clippers, Jazz, and Lakers getting good. I think it took off a lot of pressure from him, and now he's blossoming, which I'm happy for him. Yeah, so, and then to follow that, I think my player of the first several games, player of the week-ish, I got to hand it to my boy Kendrick Nunn. Now, you guys are obviously probably not going to like the fact that my bias is, is showing again. Dude, you literally pick every Heat player. And I'm going to continue because <laughs> you see how fire these rookies are? Okay. So, let me, let me, Kendrick Nunn was an undrafted player last year. Mm-hmm. And then he's played for some G League teams, including the Warriors, who I would really think they'd want him right about now. <laughs> but yeah, he came to Miami, he dropped 40 in the preseason, and now through the first five games, he's leading all rookies in scoring. He scored 112 points over his first several games, which is the most in that the league has ever seen. Um, and now he's averaging 22.4 per, uh, points per game, two rebounds, two assists, 1.8 steals. He's actually leading all rookies in steals right now as well. That's amazing. And just recently, he came off against, uh, on the 31st, I believe, just Halloween night, he was coming up a 28-point game <coughs> against a hobbled Atlanta team. But, man, this th- that's just a really dope storyline for me. Uh, he was, I mean, no one expected him to do what he's doing <coughs> right now. And, obviously, Tyler Harrow was the biggest, like, off-season sort of storyline for Miami because the dude's a flamethrower himself. Yeah. 19 and a quarter. But but imagine, like, oh, like not only to, – to, overshadow Tyler Harrow's performances alone. That's incredible. Tyler Harrow's averaging like 16, I believe, so far this season. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a great time to be a Heat fan, too, um, because we, our third rookie, Silva, has also been pretty pretty legitimate. But, I mean, Kendrick Nunn, to me, has, has definitely blown away all expectations. Um, I really hope he continues this, man, because last game, like, Jimmy Butler had two points, and we still ended up winning. I think, honestly, because Jimmy Butler missed the first couple games for the birth of his daughter. Right. Um, so I think that allowed Kendrick Nunn to now just get more confidence and have his game open up because of that. And now that he have another weapon that they can use. And honestly, they're surprising a lot of people in terms of how good they were. We, sure. had, we had him in the playoffs. We don't obviously, we didn't predict exactly where they're going to fall seeding-wise. But honestly, they're exceeding my expectations. Um, and, and I think they're going to continue this because I don't see any reason for them not to. Yeah, and I won't talk too long about this, but I'll give a really quick honorable mention. I really think people got to start looking at um, Brandon Ingram, man. I think he's a huge contender for most improved player. He's mm-hmm. averaging 26.8 points, nearly five assists, and 8.2 rebounds. Like, those are crazy numbers. Yeah. Um, the one thing is, like, he's only averaging five free throws a game, free throw attempts per game. And for, <coughs> for reference, someone like Luka Doncic is averaging eight. Like, if, if you can get to that next level in terms of free throws, I think this dude could really take another step in his scoring, you know? Like, I, I could see this guy probably going off. He's already averaging 27, but maybe closer to 30. Yeah, because you see guys like James Harden averaging 35 with 10 free throw attempts, right? Exactly. And, I mean, Brandon Ingram is a great free throw shooter, so he's going to make about 80, 85%. I think he's about um, 76 right now. So but yeah. averaging 27 without that, I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, and that's definitely the next step for him. I think he's just got to get a little more aggressive and try and draw fouls, but... And that's just the beauty of the game. Like you start off as a raw scorer, and now you got to finesse it a little bit. Yeah. And, and drawing fouls is on is the on, the honest truth in the league today is it is a it is an art within and of itself. Exactly. Um, and if so, you can master and exploit that, that's what you know. Great scorers are the good scorers are can all do, boys. Can all yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but they can do all these things. I mean, except like Giannis, dude. Oh uh, well, he's a lanky boy too. 
He's built, but he's kind of lanky at the same time. But yeah, like, like <laughs> you know, he basically runs into that KD mold at this point. I mean, and that's that was his his comparison too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and his trajectory being a second round in the or second pick in the draft and all that too. Um, but, yeah, I'm happy for him. I mean, he got he got over his blood clot and everything, so yeah, no, that's and that huge. healed properly. That's I mean, like huge. that was a big storyline. So I'm glad that turned out well for him. So that's congr- amazing. But I, I think with all of these stats that we we kind of throw out there, I think one thing to keep in mind is that you know we're only five games in. So the percentages that I said for Conley Towns, 53 from three, and then all these like crazy stats like eight assists and things like that, it's going to be overinflated just because of the small sample size. So if they're doing this with, you know, in, in 30, 40 games, then, you know, then you can start saying, okay, these guys, these guys are yeah. legitimate, but it, it's just, it's just fun to, you know, predict this earlier on. No. And, and I feel like you have to keep saying that because I, I am a Reddit fanboy. I'm like a <laughs> subreddit fanboy. When I see like like numbers like this, I will honestly like I'll extrapolate for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, like crazy numbers. Like I know things like 112 points that Kendrick Nunn scored in the yeah, first five. Yeah, I mean, he's games. obviously gonna do that. He's gonna drop 112 in a game. No worries. <laughs> no, but and like second to Kevin Durant. So you're like, oh, he's the next Kevin Durant. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, oh yeah, you're right. I had that wrong. I said he had the most in uh in his first five games. But you're right. Kevin Durant has had more. Yeah, Kevin one, Durant. By one point. Yeah, Kevin Durant had 113 points when he came in with Seattle in his first five games. So, I mean, that's crazy company to be in, especially you know, oh, starting yeah. off. Extrapolate. But that. I'm not extrapolating that at all. <laughs> you, you, you have enough of an ego with your heat. So I'm. Yeah, I really that. do. I'm going really to leave that. Yeah, be. I'll make an argument for Kelly Olynyk if I have to. All right. So, so I guess moving from that, what do you think were your so out of the first five games? What is your team of the week? Team of the week. I mean, there's a lot of great teams right now. And also, I feel like all the teams are pretty balanced and pretty yeah. even throughout. Yeah. And especially because it's only five games, it's really hard to single out one. Right. But the one that I'm going to pick is the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> um, they're 3-1 and one right now. Why are you laughing? Oh, get to it. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, there's, there's some stuff. But they beat the Wizards, the Nuggets, and the Pelicans. Um, and they lost the Blazers. What I, when I was looking at their box scores uh, in analysis for this podcast, I, I noticed that like they're winning a lot of close games, which I like because Rick Carlisle as a coach is now putting in a good system for them to come through, you know, late in late game scenarios and fourth quarter scenarios. They only lost the Blazers. They actually lost because of a Lillard layup with 26 seconds left. So, you know, putting like that kind of stuff up with that kind of team. Um, it's I, hard to out clutch the, the Blazers in any situation. It's really hard just based on the players they have. But I mean, I mean, the Nuggets are. I, I would. I'm gonna give them that win. But the Wizards and Pelicans, they've been pretty decent overall. Um, I'm not gonna say anything. But let's <laughs> let's get into the let's get into the players. You know, I think <laughs> Luka Doncic's Rasmatas Skidily do. And if you guys don't know that reference, that was done today by a reporter who asked LeBron James, <laughs> "What is that, <laughs> Rasmatas Skidily do?" So a reporter today asked LeBron James, how are you guys going to stop Luka Doncic's razzmatazz skiddly do?" On the money-making end of the court. On the money-making end of the court, which we roughly think translates to, how are you going to stop Luka Doncic on offense? And LeBron responds with, I don't know how we're going to stop the razzmatazz skiddly do." Um, it, it was just like the weirdest you know, interaction between a reporter and player <laughs> that I think I've he ever seen. He handled that well. I have to give it to him. I got to give it. But, I mean, I don't think you can stop his razzmatazz, bro. 26, 25 points, <laughs> 9 rebounds, 7 assists, and 46% from the field. Um, it's crazy because uh, he literally hit the game winner last game, e- even though he only had 12 points. Um, so this guy is doing great. And uh, obviously, Chris stops. Yeah, um, I mean, if, if Luka Doncic is, uh, is razzmatazz, what Jamba Juice flavor is Chris stops? 
Probably like Unicorn Caribbean Passion or something. Oh my god. <laughs> 22 points and 8 rebounds. I'd, uh, I'd go with White Gummy. White <laughs> Maybe Gummy? Maybe for both of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like Dallas a lot. We'll see how, we'll see how they do. Um, I, I'm kind of concerned about their bench depth, but I'm going with that team. Yeah, that's a really good team to, uh, to go with. I'm actually going to go with a team that really hasn't been winning, but I think that they, they've just had some like tough luck. <laughs> I'm actually going to go with OKC. Um, they've been keeping it fairly close. I mean, I'm looking at some of their box scores, right? And so they, they basically they lost their first game by five points to Utah. Mm-hmm. Then they lost their next game, which is somewhat more sizable, by 12 to Washington. Then they beat Golden State by – it was a blowout. Then they lost That's to Houston. That's when they were up like 70-37 right at half exactly, or something like that. Yeah. And then they lost to Houston by four, and then they lost to Portland by three. I mean, oh, so many of these games have been really, really close losses, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, and I, obviously, like, they weren't a team that had any expectations on them after that Russell Westbrook move and stuff. Yeah. But they low-key do have one of the more – they low-key do have one of the more balanced teams in the league. I really just wanted to talk about Shea Gilgis-Alexander because – I mean, I'm really impressed with the way that this kid is playing. Um, I think he's averaging close to, like, 20 points, maybe slightly over that right now. Yep. Um, 21.6, seven yeah. rebounds and three assists, dude. Yeah, no, th- yeah, exactly. Just incredible numbers there. And then I really think it's he's having a beneficial situation by having Chris Paul as his primary um, ball handler because he gets to be, like, a shooting guard or whatever he really wants to be. He doesn't have to worry about, like, him controlling the offense because he's got one of the best players to ever do it this game has ever seen doing that for him yeah and also from like a teaching and mentorship perspective oh for sure um and then i have to talk about my boy danilo gallinari i love this man i truly love this man i I think you've loved him from like denver from all his team new york all of that dude i i and the clippers i love this guy i mean he gives you effectively like star scoring Mm -hmm. um without like the sort of star um like aura around him so, yeah. I mean, this dude could casually average, like, 17 or 18, which is, like, something he typically does. Yeah, uh, when he seasons. plays, he's really good. That's the issue, though, with him. The, yeah. The, the injuries. The injuries have always hurt him. Are a thing. And, and that kind of takes him out of his rhythm, which leads to him being inconsistent at times. Right. And and this team still has a Steven Adams. It still has Dennis Schroeder. It still has Nerlens Noel. Um, still has some talent. Guys like Terrence Ferguson, who had some promise last year. Um, the Diallo kid as well. I mean, they, they really, like, they have some, some good potential here. They've lost <laughs> some close games, which sucks. But, you know, I mean, that's something that, like, like once you kind of get the hang of it, once you're comfortable with your team, hopefully you can grind out some of those close wins. But they're a team I feel like was disrespected in the offseason, kind of. And I think Chris Paul was in, in, in a large extent. Yeah, because just not, like, a, like, a sexy team to look at just oh, based exactly. on, like, their superstar talent. But And they're in Oklahoma. And they're in Oklahoma City, <laughs> but um, I mean they're still a solid team. I don't think the fans of Oklahoma City can complain. I mean they're one they're the, in. Some what of the are best they one fans in, ever? They're one in four right now, but still like that. Three of those games could have gone either way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's so, how I feel. So and, yeah. So I mean, and and the blowout against like Golden State, I feel like everyone's doing this now. But at the same time, it was still good to see. You know, it's not like they didn't play with two All Stars still in the picture. At Golden yeah. State. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I really got to give a huge uh, – like, I just got to have to recognize OKC for, like, actually putting together a productive season. I still feel like they have the potential to do it. Yeah, def- yeah definitely, man, for sure. But um, now that we talked about, I guess, the the highlights and the players of the week and uh, the That's teams of the week that we had, I think we have to address the teams that were kind of disappointing. Oh, man. This is sad. 
I picked them as my playoff spot for the eighth seed. Dude, you get too emotional about this, man. I know. The NBA, man. We can't actually predict anything. They said that the NBA is where amazing happens. <laughs> well, they also have the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, what a, what a disappointment. So, for anyone who doesn't know, they're 0-5. Um, so, we'll, like... If Wait, I didn't know that. Wait, so they, they, haven't, they, they, <laughs> <laughs> they haven't won at all? They haven't won at all. Oh, my God. So, just just a plea to Sacramento. Oh, my like, God. <laughs> for the love of God, please win. Um, everyone was supposed to count them out, and I was supposed to be like, ha, I knew it. Yeah. And they suck. They, they, they suck. Not only do they suck, they're getting blown out. They got blown out by the Suns on opening day by 30, or close to 30. They lost to the Blazers by 10, then they lost to the Jazz by 32, and then they lost to Denver by 7, then they lost to Charlotte by 7. Oh, my God. Like, okay, here's what sucks. The loss of Willie <laughs> Cauley-Stein to Golden State, I think, is impacting them because they're currently 29th in rebounding. Mm-hmm. 29th. So they're, yeah, they're, so they're center depth. Right, is, and, and Bagley's injured. So yeah. you're basically, I think, playing with Bielica right now at the, uh, at the, at the 5. And... What else really sucks is Heald and Fox have not been as good as I thought they would be. Didn't Heald come out with a couple of good games, though? He had, he yeah, had 28, he started off well, he had 28 points against the Suns. In the first game, exactly. But yeah. right now on the season, he's averaging 16, as is Fox. And what, what bugs me about this is because... So if you look at Marvin Bagley, he's been injured since that first game, right? Yeah. Marvin Bagley typically takes 16 shots a game. Yeah. That's 16 shots that the offense has to account for. And who else do you want taking those? Marvin Bagley... Or, sorry... Darren Fox and Buddy Heald. And for them to only be averaging around 16 right now, despite the fact that they they don't have another scorer, yeah. it, it, it's kind of disappointing. And and I really feel like, you know, it, the last six to eight spots last season um, in, for the playoffs were decided within a game of each other, a game or two games of each other. Mm-hmm. So you lose, you go 0-5. Like, I really wonder if this could, like, even if they get Bagley back, like, how is this going to influence them in the long run? Like, have they basically, like, it's so early to like say something like this. Yeah. But but are they like signing their own death warrant here in terms of playoff ex- like playoff chances? Because you, you you can't make those five games up again, and you don't know how close it's going to be. And I really think it's going to be a more competitive season for those last eight spots, mm-hmm. or for that last eighth spot, than it's traditionally been, just because of the balance of the league right now. Of course, and I think that's kind of what we addressed before as well. Like, you know, injuries, especially to teams like the Kings, are it just super significant and. You never know. Like, it comes down to one or two games, and it sometimes comes down to even tiebreakers. So I honestly think also, like, I have a question for you. Do you think Bagley's injury, right, as well as Willie Cauley-Stein leaving, right, allows team defenses now to load up on the perimeter? And now because they load up on the perimeter, even though there are more shots available, De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald can't necessarily take those shots because team defenses can now accommodate for that. Oh, absolutely. And I think... That's one really good perspective, but the other is who's going to guard bigs on the other end, you know? I oh, mean, yeah, I feel yeah, like they're so vulnerable true. on the defensive end. That's the biggest reason. I mean, those blowouts aren't for no reason, right? They're leaving up so many points for the other team to score just by letting competent bigs just score down low. So uh, to me, like, yeah, it's, it's a two-way street here because they're scoring. Marvin Bagley was one of their biggest scorers last season, probably their second or third. Um, Willie Cauley-Stein was a very good presence as far as rebounding and block shots go. So now they've impacted their defense and scoring in very like significant ways. So yeah, I mean, and if you're saying and if you're saying they're 29th in rebounding, I bet they're going to be really low in second chance points as well, given absolutely. And so that could definitely be a role and play a factor in that. Yeah. But um, I have to say, so yours is the Kings. I have to go with the Indiana Pacers. Um, You know, granted they don't have Victor Oladipo still. um, Right. And so 
you know, I'm not going to give him too much slack for that because injuries obviously do play a big factor. But I really expected more from guys like Malcolm Brogdon. I think I really hyped him up in our first podcast, as well <laughs> as, you know, Sabonis. They have Miles Turner. They have they have really solid pieces that I still think can, you know, put it together. But right now, I mean, they're losing to teams like the Detroit Pistons and, and, and stuff like that. So the fact that, like, teams like Cleveland, Orlando, Atlanta, and Charlotte, and and Detroit, you know, they're all, I mean, granted, they only won like one game more, right? Because we right. only played five games. Just the fact that, you know, that's, Indi- the conversation. that's the conversation we have to put them in. I don't think that, you know, that's good at all, just based on the talent that these that this team has compared to the talent that these other teams have. Definitely. So I'm not going to give him an excuse for that, but definitely a guy like Victor Oladipo coming back um, can easily average 20, 25 points for them this year because I think he'll he'll be just that good and take them to the next level. So I'm not too worried about them in terms of the playoff chances, but um, definitely think that they have a, they're a team that disappointed me so far. Yeah, and if there's if there's a coach that could turn this team around, it's Nate McMillan. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, this guy this guy coaches super well. Like, I think one thing when I really fell in love with Nate McMillan was when they all, they essentially almost beat LeBron in yeah, Cleveland in a game seven in right? a game seven in the first round. When you know you're expecting, because LeBron runs through everyone in the first round. Mm-hmm. That's like traditionally what happens. Right. And so um, it's amazing. It was amazing to see that and. You know, I still believe in him, and I still believe in Oladipo when he comes back, but that's that's my pick for now. Yeah, right on. Um, I mean, just to I mean, kind of just look, like, I I think it's so important, again, like you were saying, just to remind ourselves that this is only five games as usual. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to make too much of it, but there's one other team we forgot that also sucks. Do you want to yeah, talk about that one? the Brooklyn Nets, man. And um, the Brooklyn Nets are weird because – all their games, I feel like, are just going into overtime. Yeah, and it has probably has something to do with um, the physics of flat Earth. <laughs> I think it's yeah, probably I, like fucking the ball up in some way or the other. Dude, it's probably just putting Kyrie Irving just a little off balance. His, his chakras are probably unbalanced, and it's probably the why the mood swings are happening too. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Something. I, I'm just think, trying to think of all the woke stuff I possibly can, and I'm having a tough time. You can't. You can't get on his level like that. Oh God, no! <laughs> you gotta. You gotta. You know, ingest something to get on that level. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, drug test him. <laughs> yeah, drug test him. That's for sure. But no. But in all seriousness, I think it's crazy that Kyrie Irving has hit a game winner in every game for these people to win. Oh um, my God! Yeah, it's crazy because he hit a game winner against New York. He almost had to hit one in his opening day, um, and then they lost on a game winner to Memphis. So it's it's crazy to to think that. But let's get into the mood swings that you kind of referenced, right? What did you think about that? You know, essentially the report was by ESPN's Jackie McMullen. He essentially he essentially reported that Kyrie Irving, um, his mood swings are getting to be irritating to Nets officials and or like the front office to the front office and things like that because there's there's times I guess in China where he just didn't want to do things right. or he didn't want to you know look at biometrics and just certain things and just tick him off and that he doesn't he kind of just shuts down and he doesn't talk to anyone. So what do you think about that and their implications? I guess in terms of team chemistry. Well, I don't think any of the players are going to say anything about it, and it's evident because um, Kevin Durant has basically said he completely supports uh, Kyrie Irving. Like he should. Like he should, and like we expected them to, those two star-crossed lovers. Um, (laughs) Of course. And then DeAndre Jordan also came out, and he was like, no, I mean – it's it's nothing, like, big again, right? Like, he was just like, everyone's not perfect. Like, kind of going the same <laughs> lines as the other two, but nonetheless, right? Yeah. 
I haven't heard any other players say anything else about it. So if it's not bothering um, those guys, and if it's not bothering the head coach, mm-hmm. then so be it. You know what I mean? Like it's it's. I understand the perspective it comes from because I could totally see where where Kyrie might be a moody guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, if the players are gonna vouch for the fact that this is just okay, then then fine. You know. But see, okay. So one thing is, I agree with that completely. Just to play devil's advocate. This is like the same situation kind of with Boston oh, where yeah. everyone was talking about how he, you know, wasn't a great leader and he's isolating players and all even the young guys come out and say, no, he's not. He's a great leader for us and things like that. But at the end of the day, after Kyrie leaves, you see all this stuff right. you know, being released. Tori Ro- right. Rozier was saying. Yeah. Terry that. Rozier was, Terry, you know, yeah. g- was going off on him about that kind of stuff uh, subtly, but still. Um do you think that that's going to play an impact here as well? And I yeah, think that is probably what they're more so referring to. You actually make a good point because I didn't consider it, but I'll still say it won't make a huge impact just because this is a team that I think actually does have quite a bit of veterans on it that can balance out the sort of like whatever mood swings you might get. Boston was very, <laughs> very young. There's no question about it. Definitely. But this team has guys like DeAndre Jordan. It has um, Obviously, they're not... I mean, it has guys like DeAndre Jordan. They have Spencer Dinwiddie, who's really good. Karis LeVert has been in the league for mm-hmm. a couple of years. Torian Prince, who's been in the league for a few years. You got a bunch of guys that I feel like could really like just like separate the chaff from the wheat, you know, in a mm-hmm. se- in essence. Um, and I feel like they're not as young, so they won't be as susceptible to like the locker room chemistry issues with the, without having a veteran leader. Yep. Um, and I think that's that's the shortcomings of Boston. Like they didn't have that. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And I also think. Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn is a refreshing thing for him, particularly going back home, getting away from all that toxicity, I guess, um, in Boston and just, you know, going back to like where he feels comfortable and where he feels like his game can be taken to the next level. But I really like how he responded to it. He said, you know, I don't have to be perfect for anyone. It's okay for I'm just a regular human being as well. And human beings have emotions. And I think that's the best way to address that situation and yeah. also, I really liked what KD said. You know, he said that whatever he needs to do to get ready to play at 7.30 that night, I don't care how he does it. You don't have to like the methods with which he goes about doing it. Right. But if he's getting his teammates involved, if he's doing what he needs to do for the team, you can't you can't say anything about That's it. That's the most fundamental thing, right? He's basically making them competitive in every game. Yeah. Single-handedly. And he's putting up 50 points in the first game. Like, come on. Yeah. So end of the day, he has these mood swings, whatever, but it's not like he's, I feel like it's not affecting his performance. And if the team chemistry is not injured by it and if they can handle it, then, you know, so be it. Yeah. And I know, and we joke about, you know, Kyrie and Katie being star-crossed lovers <laughs> and him ingesting things and drug testing. But I think, honestly, it's getting too far with all these media yeah. outlets, no. you know, attacking him because at the end of the day, this guy's game is insane. It's, it's yeah. up there with anyone else in the world. And I think it's kind of unfair, like, the extent to which everyone's taking it to. So Yeah, and we're not a media outlet, so we're allowed to say this. Exactly. <laughs> Justify it, bro. Um, and if we are, that means we're pretty good. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All okay, right. So I guess now we just got some, like, minor things to cover as far as headlines. Well, this one's kind of, I mean, since we're, we're naturally talking about KD already, let's just do this one right now. KD basically did an interview with First Take. Yeah, so it, it, essentially, initially, he had Stephen A. Smith on his own show, which was on Kate, on Kevin Durant's show, right. which is the boardroom, and then in like afterwards, Kevin Durant went on Stephen in A. and classic Max YouTube collab fashion. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> he went he went on first take, and uh, I got I actually watched pretty much the whole interview. Yeah, so give some context to that. What exactly happened? Essentially, he goes on the interview, and obviously Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman 
who are the two anchors on the show. Um, essentially, you're hammering them with great questions. Yeah, actually, really good questions. Really good questions about, you know, ranging from everything, you know, asking from, you know, his top five players right now to whether Draymond Green's um, statement to him in that game against the Clippers affected him in the way of leaving. And I think we actually addressed, we we talked about this in our first podcast. We too. did, we did. Um, and, and he essentially said, yeah, it, it did. It did play a role in it. And I thought that kind of is what we thought as well. Um, right. But what, what did you think about it when you first heard that? I kind of reacted the same way Max Kellerman did in the video, if mm-hmm. you've seen it. He was just shocked, and he basically was, like, so shocked that he asked for clarification from KD. He was like, do you want to expand on that at all? Yeah, because he was initially about to ask a different question, but when he yeah. heard that response, he was like, wait, you got you to elaborate on that. Um, to me, like, I think at the end of last season, especially when to the finals, there was this aura of, oh, maybe they have it sorted out or something, right? Mm-hmm. And to see that that wasn't exactly the case, I think was a little bit shocking. Um, but at the same time, like, if you really think about what was said or what was allegedly said, like, it's not, it, it shouldn't be surprising. I mean, you know, KD trusted these guys <laughs> to be his his boys, right? He, they they trusted them to to pick him up when everyone else was shitting on them, on, shitting on him specifically. Mm-hmm. And then Draymond did the exact opposite. So you have to believe that there's a, there's an impact from that. Definitely. I mean, I'm, it's not shocking. It's just that he comes out and finally confirms what we've kind of been thinking. Right. Yeah. It's not it's not shocking, but it's 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 kind of sad almost to be perfectly honest. Yeah. One more thing he said is he actually said that he plans to sit out the whole year. Oh, yeah, no, that's the first time I feel like we've had confirmation on that. So, yeah, he said that at this point, he doesn't look uh, like he doesn't play. anticipate playing. He doesn't anticipate anticipate playing uh, the rest of the season, uh, which I think that's interesting. So, quickly back to that Draymond Green comment, do you think that affected his top five at all? On Because he, he goes on later in that interview to rank these basically five players he, he like likes watching. Essentially, his five players are Damian Lillard, James Harden, LeBron James, uh, Kyrie Irving, and Joel Embiid, and Joel Embiid as his top five favorite players to watch. So these players are dynamic within their own right, but I'm kind of shocked there was no Steph on that list. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously it's a little bit shocking, I guess, that Russell Westbrook's not on that list. But yeah. I don't think you. <laughs> but just based on his, you know, postseason and stuff like that, you can't really put Russell Westbrook suppose, in that conversation. Yeah. And also with all the beef that occurred there, okay. I understand that, but you know, to to leave Steph off, um, he, and when I was watching the interview as well, right? He didn't even consider Steph. It's not like no, he didn't consider him until they literally asked him about his broken hand. Yeah, he didn't. Which ex- we'll also get into. <laughs> which we'll also get into, but like he said, obviously I left off left off a lot of great players, and obviously it could be just be off the top of his head. But I also find it like weird that he just didn't put Steph Curry on that. Yeah, just I based mean, on you played for five years together. You played for five years together. You think um, you know he's one of the best shooters you've ever seen, and you got to see Prime Steph. Yeah, you got to play with Prime Steph. So I thought it was really interesting, actually, that they didn't include him on that list. Yeah. So maybe there's a lot more resentment between the two parties than we're actually led to believe. Maybe, and, that, and we'll never know yeah, that. We, we just can't read too far into it, but nonetheless, it's something to talk about. Um, so some other smaller headlines, I suppose. <laughs> Naturally, Steph Curry broke his hand against the Suns. What, what's up with that? Yeah, I mean, Aaron Baines's broad shoulders <laughs> destroyed his hand. Uh, I'm sorry. 
Um, but you know, I'm glad. I'm really glad Aaron Baines didn't get hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's, All right, I'm, I'm not gonna be mean, but the Warriors have had their chance to win. They've done all they could. Just please don't ruin our chances now. <laughs> um, and, and, and with much respect, you know, I wish Steph a speedy recovery. He's yeah, a great no, guy. We're I obviously mean, joking about. Yeah, we're obviously. Though. Yeah, we're obviously joking. I mean, he so essentially broke his left hand. It was a pretty nasty fall. Dude, as well. he was sandwiched between. Um, Baines and Ubre, which I'd love to be okay. a part of that. Jesus. Just, just saying, and you would too. Don't lie. Okay. Just admit it right now, dude. Just, just for the fans. <laughs> no, come on. Come on. I'm not. Come I'm on. not. All right. Fuck you. So essentially, so essentially, yeah, broken hand. Um, but the thing is, he went out on Halloween uh, and as Buzz Lightyear. As Buzz Lightyear, whole, like you know, walking his dog and then uh, pushing his, I believe, his son in the in, in the stroller. But yeah, he's having a blast. He's also he also posted a picture on Instagram with you know him just smiling. And yeah. He's like, thanks for all the love and support. So I'm glad he, you know he's at least happy with it. Um, probably he's like he's probably like, dude, you know what? The Warriors suck right now. I'm I'm out. <laughs> I'm done for the season. <laughs> yeah. But, no. And then this just this really does beg the question like. What are you going to do with D'Angelo Russell at this point? Because you're not going to contend for the foreseeable future. You can't shut him down, dude. You can't shut him down, but do you look to trade him at some point? Because he doesn't really match with the direction of this franchise right now. I don't know. I mean, he's young. There's a lot of potential as him being a dynamic scorer. And you also haven't seen how Clay, D'Angelo, and Steph all come together. Which will be interesting. I just uh, I think another possibility, though, is maybe you look at at least at the trade deadline seeing where you can move uh, D'Angelo Russell and uh, seeing what you can get for him at least, right? Yeah. You got you to at least look at that. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's definitely something to consider, I guess. But um, moving on, other other headlines. Do you want to talk about 80s, 40, and 20 and three quarters? Do you? <laughs> uh, dude, honestly. I feel it, like people have been talking about it a little too much. It's, what about you? It's, it's too much, dude. My hot take is this literally means nothing. Well, of of course it means nothing. They played the Grizzlies, bro. <laughs> okay, okay. But, I mean, okay, I can't even say in all seriousness because it's not serious. 40 and 20, okay, I get it. Statistically, that's amazing, especially yeah. doing it in three quarters. But, dude, the Lakers should be more concerned about their postseason. Le- I see LeBron posting on his Instagram after every win. I'm like, you can't do that right now. You've literally only, <laughs> like, they've literally not beaten great teams like Charlotte and Memphis. They've beaten Utah, which is that's that's probably their only good win so far. And I'm they actually lost the really Clippers. glad he's posting after every game though, because that one page of the Laraf James, where they <laughs> turn him into a giraffe, dude, those are so dope. But anyway, I'm completely distracting you. Yeah, but essentially, what what my point is, the Lakers really need to get their stuff together and their focus together. They're getting Kyle Kuzma back, who's playing Dallas. I think I believe today. Yeah, about fifteen so, to twenty minutes as of November first. Yeah, and so I think that's definitely going to be a big thing for them, but. They have to set their sights straight, just like the Clippers are doing, you know, resting Kawhi, knowing that they're trying to make a deep playoff push. Definitely. Uh, especially this early rest um, no, means that I, they're I that, that focused. I thought that was really interesting, too, because that 40 and 20 happened, and I remember earlier on in the game, AD was, like, he his, he was having some shoulder discomfort, mm-hmm. and they still let him do the 40-20, which, like, to me, it was, like, you know, kind of keep your, keep your goal in mind here. Without Anthony Davis, that team is what they were last season, nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, I, I mean, it's cool. He got a nice stat line. He, you know, beat the Grizzlies. Woo. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, that's that's what should matter, at least. Um, but I think, um, I guess the last major headline was James Harden. You know, the Wizards have had, I think, I think that was the third highest scoring regular season game in NBA history 
159. Never, that's just so hard for me to believe. People have scored more than 159 in a game. 159, in 158. Season? And the thing is, the trends of the NBA is going like back in the 60s and 70s, right? You're scoring incredible amount of points. It's right. really offense heavy. And then as you shift into the early 2000s, and now your points per game starts going down. And now it's trending back up when we're scoring. Um, incredible amounts, 130, 140s, are not that uncommon now in the league as they were even 10, 10 years ago. And, and give credit to the Wizards for only being down by one point at the end of that game, right? Or was it 158 to 159 or 156 to 159? I think it's like 159 to 158. They yeah, won so by one point. Basically, like, for both teams here, right? Like, this is a this is interesting because I, I did not see him. Uh, if a team scores 159 points, I would assume that's a blowout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think it'd be a competitive match at that score. It's crazy. I mean, the Rockets don't play defense, so. They do not. They do not. But, like, for, you know, even for this team, for the Wizards to have their rookie step up and Rui Hachimura had, like, 20 points that game. Bradley Beal obviously had 40, but. 46, yeah. 46. They had some good scoring, too. I didn't see it coming, personally. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Again, another thing for me is, like, this, the Rockets with them, Nothing means anything to me unless they do this in the in the postseason. I know it's Russell Westbrook and it's a new team and new dynamic, but I'm still riding with that. I got to see this. I got to see this in the postseason. What do you think of um, the dynamic between them in that game, Westbrook and uh, and Harden? I think it worked well. I think it was interesting that Westbrook could get a triple double and Harden could get his 59 points. Yeah, it was just it was it was interesting. <laughs> but like, think about it. You have to score 159 points for all that to happen. Right. So it's not going to happen too often. Right. Um. But really, you you shouldn't have to outscore your opponents like like that. that insane amounts, right? Like, dude, just this ex- is definitely it, D'Antoni's wet dream. Yeah, as like, far as a game goes. Exactly. Exert a little bit more defense, and you don't have to like destroy your players. And I understand Harden loves what he Scoring, does yeah. and he came out with an interview just the other day saying like you know you have to love the work that you put in and you know I'm all for that but like come on like at least you know be smarter about this because these games and dropping 60 65 right now in game five does not matter do you think that this experiment will pan out in the long run between uh, having Westbrook and Harden dude honestly I don't even want to make a prediction because right I, I literally have what I have to do is say okay I don't have any expectations for the Rockets and see what they see what they do in the postseason I've, yeah. it's, it's really come to that point. I've been so excited for them to perform well in the last three, four, five years, and it's always just been disappointment after disappointment. And so now it's just, it's kind of sad. I'm you know just what's going to be detached. funny to me, though? I can't wait for the Rockets to play the Warriors in the regular season, especially this Warriors team. Yeah. I feel like all the pent-up rage is going to come out. They, they might score 200 points is all I'm saying. <laughs> Dude, honestly, though, because the defense also sucks on the Warriors. So Yeah, like, like just, we'll just, just to make a statement against the Warriors, even though it's not making much of a statement, they should blow them out by as much as they humanly can. Dude, yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. But um, it's, been a, it's been a good week of news then, huh? Yeah, I guess we should end it off with who do you think had the best NBA Halloween outfit? Okay, I'm going to go with Carl Anthony Towns on this. Dude, I think we're picking Carl Anthony Towns for everything, dude. We've talked about him like yeah, three he's, times. He's been on show. something else. Um, I'm gonna go with Carl Anthony I Towns. I saw that. I saw that. Joker. I don't know. So for reference, if you guys have not seen it, um, his Instagram video he posted on his Instagram about his costume, but he did, I think, basically the Heath Ledger version of the Joker. Yep. And it was. It was right. Mm-hmm. And you see the seven foot tall, like like giant Joker, like lumbering down the street, and then he has a scene where he's basically like. It's like this video. He's basically sitting down and clapping like uh like Heath Ledger's Joker did in yeah. the uh, the in the Dark Knight movies. Yeah. So I think he did an excellent job, and the portrayal is low key creepy, which is exactly what you want from 
from the Joker. So I think Carl Anthony Towns definitely got my vote on that one. Definitely. I think for me, honestly, a lot of NBA players came out with the Joker. I think especially because yeah. the Joker recently come out movie right, right we still gotta go watch that dude by the way oh, yeah. yeah but um <laughs> <laughs> but um what is this john wall i really liked him dressing up as keith ledger again you know but it's the nurse scene where he's in the hospital trying to talk to two-faced harvey dent right. um and I, I mean john wall hitting the dougie with the joker like that there's something you got to go watch that video if you haven't seen it he's the wettest assistant coach in the league right now <laughs> dude probably actually but um him and then also bradley beal went to the same party as the joker (laughs) as well so we have so many people as a joke but i'd say honestly the best that i've seen it's not even nba deandre hopkins oh yeah oh my gosh the the genie genie from aladdin oh my god he just turned into something else in that That his actual facial feature looked like him looked like will smith looked like will smith and so i'd have to give that one the props if we're not going going overall that's a good one that's a really good one but um i think i think it's been fun um overall yeah man first five games we're obviously gonna i'm at least i'm gonna try not to make too much of it even though that's kind of how i'm wired but it was a it was a good first five games, good run. Nice to see the NBA back. Um, n- nice to not be bored every night too. <laughs> also, night I'm I'm gonna go watch the Suns. So yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, overall, good start to the to the season. We hope to be back with episode four pretty soon. And uh, yeah, hope you guys have a hope you guys enjoyed the pod, and uh, we'll see you next time. And with that, we out. <laughs>